This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. Gabby vacation is over. I'm recharged, ready to go. January is here. Uh, And there's quite a bit to get to here since our last podcast, which we recorded a week ago, Um, both on the, the coaching front and the transfer portal front. And of course, the high school recruiting front, both in the 2022 class and the 2023 class. Um, so it's, it's going to be a busy month of January um, with various different types of news popping in those regards. Um, so let's get into it. Let's start, I guess, with the coaching staff. Uh, news slash tea leaves, I guess, to get into, kind of share what we know. Um, On the front end, Gabby, I think we should say, and I had heard this reputation about Mario Cristobal um, when he was hired, but it's definitely playing out this way. Mario has the reputation and and the track record of taking, taking a while when it comes to putting a staff together and or making hires, right? Individual coaching hires. He wants to uh, do his diligence and he wants to interview as many coaches as possible for the various positions. And so he takes longer than most coaches do to put together a staff. And and we're kind of seeing that play out, I think with offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in particular. an example of, uh, you know, at Oregon as recently as last year, um, Mario Cristobal lost his defensive coordinator, Andy Avalos, to Boise State. And that was kind of trending for a while before it was officially announced as a done deal. And uh, even with that, you know, kind of lead up uh, between like, the rumors, the strong rumors of Andy Avalos to Boise State and the official move, um, Mario Cristobal still took about two weeks in January. So he hired Tim DeRuiter, the Cal defensive coordinator at the time, on January 22nd. Now, I I don't necessarily expect these hires to go that long, um, but I do think, you know, for various reasons – there's a chance either some of these hires go past uh, Monday's national championship game, so a week from now. And, you know, that also, I think, coincides kind of with the end of the NFL regular season. Um, 
So here's what we kind of know now, right? Alex Mirabal is a done deal. Um, pretty much. I mean, none of these have been officially announced yet, but here's what we would classify as done deals. Alex Mirabal, offensive line coach, uh, Joe Salavea, defensive line coach. I feel pretty confident Jim Mastro, um, the Oregon running backs coach is coming to Miami in that role. Um, I feel very confident Brian McClendon, the wide receivers coach from Oregon is coming in that role. Uh, I feel pretty confident T Rob is staying, you know, unless he might get a defensive coordinator job elsewhere. Um, but if he doesn't get an opportunity that he wants to go explore or, or go take, I, I feel confident that he's going to be retained as the secondary coach. Um, in some regard, I don't know what that means, whether it's secondary cornerbacks, safeties, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, feel pretty confident that Aaron Field, or sorry, Aaron Feld is coming to Miami as the strength coach. Um, it's also been reported within the last week that Rob Chudzinski is expected to join Mario Cristobal's staff. Um, I, I expect that to be more in like an analyst type of role. Uh, I suppose, you know, if Mario Cristobal strikes out on some sort of offensive coordinator hires that he really wants to make, maybe that could fall to Chitzinski, but I think that's not likely. Um, I, I would expect Chitzinski to be an analyst. Um, and then, you know, I, I also reported DeMarcus Van Dyke has a decision to make. He was elevated last year, uh, to the on-field coaching staff from a recruiting staff role. Um, I'm under the understanding he has, he has an offer to stay as an analyst at Miami, or he can go take a job at FIU and be their cornerbacks coach for, for Mike McIntyre. I'm under the impression that Miami's analyst role would pay him uh, better than that cornerbacks coach job at FIU, but DeMarcus Van Dyke wants to be an on-field coach. So he has a tough decision to make there. There probably is like a narrow path for him to be on Miami's coaching staff this year. Um, but that would probably come down to the next defensive coordinator deciding to hire him in that role. Um, most likely if he were to stay at Miami, it would be in an analyst role. Uh, he would, you know, coach, cut his teeth in that regard and hope that either Mario Cristobal or, you know, if a defensive coordinator or position coach gets an opportunity elsewhere at a power five position, maybe they hire uh, DeMarcus Van Dyke at that other school. Ephraim Banda could be that guy too at Utah State if he gets a chance at a P5 school as well. So, Tough decisions to make. I will say, Gabby, I've been told, I mean, this goes along with just the uh, resources that are being poured into the program. I do think some of these analysts are making over 200000 I think some might even get 300000 um, which is significant. And I, I'm not saying that's what DVD is getting offered. I don't know that number. Um, but those numbers are... You know, in, in some cases, double 
uh, sometimes two and a half times more than what these position coaches can make at a smaller group of five school. So some tough decisions there to make. Um, so let's, let's talk about kind of tea leaves, what we're hearing, et cetera, et cetera. Offensive coordinator. I don't have anything new, honestly, other than maybe, you know, I've kind of been saying, I've been hearing Kendall Bryles this whole time. I'm not saying he's going to be the hire, but he's the one I still hear the most about. Um, I do. I would believe that Mario Cristobal is talking to more candidates than just him. It's just, he's the one I'm hearing most about. Again, nothing new I can report in on the OC front. Defensive coordinator, you know, I just based on timelines um, and, and what I know about Mario's thinking about him, I get the sense that George's co-defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach, Glenn Schumann, is a top target. And that would make sense because... Um, you know, George is still playing their season that, you know, we haven't really heard much buzz on defensive coordinator. My, my sense is that crystal ball wants to get an answer from Schumann. And then, you know, if it's a yes, cool. If it's not, he moves on to his next target. Um, I am under the impression that the defensive coordinator gets to make one higher on his side of the ball. And I've been told one person uh, Mario Cristobal has been talking with is Azar Abdul Rahim, who is a secondary coach in, on Boston College's staff. Uh, he and Cristobal have a connection that date back to their days at Alabama. Um, Abdul Rahim was a analyst and player personnel guy, I think in 2014, 2015 there. Um, he is a Washington, D.C. area guy, has deep recruiting connections to that area, which is talented, um, very talented area. And he, you know, after Alabama, he went on to coach at uh, Maryland. He was a defensive coordinator at UMass briefly for one year. And these last two seasons, he's been on the Boston College staff. I think this year, Boston College is. Uh, pass defense ranked third best in the country in terms of yards allowed per game through the air. So, and, and why do I mention that with, with Schumann? If you're connecting the dots as well, right? Schumann was on that al same Alabama staff and both Schumann and Abdul Rahim were uh, player personnel guys under Nick Saban on that staff. So that's one connection. I do think Derek Mason is also talking with Mario Cristobal. And that would be potentially an opportunity for Rod Chance to be hired, right? Rod Chance is the cornerbacks coach at Oregon. He has accepted, I think, verbally a, the cornerbacks coach or secondary coach at Colorado. But I do think, like, let's say the defensive coordinator, coordinator hire ends up being Derek Mason. I do think there's a chance that Miami and you know, Mason might find a way to still bring Rod Chance over um, because do I have this right, Gabby, that uh, Rod Chance was a GA for Derek Mason at Vanderbilt? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So 
there's just basically the, there's a lot of moving parts here, um, particularly on defense. And I think that's why there's holes maybe with the linebacker positions in terms of building the staff and, you know, cornerback maybe. So, you know, I think if, if the defensive coordinator has a secondary background, you know, the position coach that's hired will probably be linebacker coaches. If the defensive coordinator hired, for instance, like Schumann is a linebackers coach as well, then the hires would probably be a cornerbacks coach and, uh, you know, maybe a Nichols coach, a big nickel or striker, however you want to classify that position. So that's kind of what I am under the understanding of right now with the coaching stuff. Again, I think the bottom line is just patience. You know, Mario Cristobal is going to take his time. I mean, he's taking his time to just announce the guys that are pretty much already done deals. Um, so I kind of read that as he just wants to announce the whole staff at one time. Um, but, you know, look, these are all quality people. I'm curious, Gabby, like the, the, the Glenn Schumann uh, top target I don't know. Guess, educated guess, let's call it. Are you a fan of that hire? Do you think that'd be a splashy hire? What do you think of that? Uh, yeah, so I watched Georgia's linebackers on, what was it? I guess, what is it, Sunday night, Saturday night, whatever it was. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on board with Glenn Schumann, defensive coordinator, linebacks coach. Just give me all that. Yeah, and it's my understanding, too, that he does do a, a – good job court like he does help coordinate that defense um and again he has a player personnel background so he understands the importance of recruiting um and evaluating did you know much about this abdul rahim uh coach from boston college because i'll admit i i'm not familiar with his work but the more i dug into it i kind of liked the hire or the potential of the hire um just from a national recruiting standpoint. Yeah. And he, he does have a track record of, of success with putting together a secondary. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know much about his track record or anything like that. What I do know is that over the summer, we were at a seven on seven tournament, me and Andrew Ivins at FIU and Abdul Rahim was there with another Boston college staffer. And, you know, he ended up offering a, a couple different South Florida cornerbacks, uh, you know, two from Gulliver prep and Daniel Harris and Antonio Smith, who are a couple 2023s with some with some nice upside, but you know he is someone that at least is has been a guy that recruited South Florida for Boston College. I don't think it's a completely foreign territory to him, uh, just because it seems like he was probably the Eagles guy to do that. So again, I I was I was able to meet the guy. He's been down here again before, evaluated some of the talent before down here. So um, I could get on board with it, man, for sure. And then Derek Mason, I think he did a good job coordinating Auburn's defense this year. Um, you know, I, I think when I watch Auburn this year, the little bit I saw of them, I think their talent kind of dropped off a little bit um, from years past, the, the past few years we've seen them. Um, but he did, I think he did a good job of putting what he had in the best position of, to make plays. And, you know, watching the bowl game, I know you and I were texting back and forth. They played Houston, I believe. Um, one thing that that made that I noticed was their their big safety smoke Monday, I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, 
he's not quite as big as James Williams. I mean, who is at the safety spot, but he's a 6'3", 225 type of safety that Auburn would roll into the box. They'd play him deep as a free safety every now and then. They were just very creative with him as a chess piece. He was kind of the centerpiece of that defense. And so it was intriguing to me to watch that and think about how um, Derek Mason could use James Williams. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, definitely. And it feels like if we're just, if there just want to be multiple too, um, he's someone that I think can do that. Uh, again, and just the SEC factor. He's a guy that coached for many yeah. years at Vanderbilt, coached in SEC defense in Auburn. I think that's what Mar- Mario Cristobal wants to build an SEC type roster. Obviously, Miami's an sure. ACC school, and that's who they're going to be playing against. But if you put an, an SEC roster, an SEC esque roster together, an SEC type defense in the ACC, you're looking at those 10, 11 win seasons that you know we've been sort of looking for. So I think that's the goal. So you bring someone in with that type of experience that only really knows what it's like to do it in the SEC like that. Um, I, th- or, I, and just knows what it looks like. I mean, I'd be pretty, I could definitely get on board with that one too. He brought that to Oregon too. I think with his recruiting, exactly. You know, the body types, uh, Oregon got bigger, thicker, stronger, maintained the speed. I think to the speed element that they're known for while Mario Cristobal was there, but they just became a bigger bunch, both offense and defense. Um, so again, we'll see how it all shakes out. If, if anything does officially get announced or, you know, reported, um, we will certainly provide emergency podcasts on the OC and DC hires. Let's transition out of transfer portal, right? Cause that's kind of been popping here since, uh, what Christmas around then day after yeah. Christmas or so, um, It appears, Gabby, that kind of there's, let me see, five position groups that Miami's targeting specifically, which I think makes sense, right? Uh, Knowing the roster like we do, it seems like they might want to take one offensive lineman. They might want to take one wide receiver. Seems like they're they're pretty heavy on defensive line. Um, Seems like they're pretty heavy on linebacker. And then, you know, when they, when they feel like there is quality, it seems like they're making moves at corner as well. There's just, it's, it's tough competition at corner, I think. Uh, but anyways, let's start at offensive line. You just wrote on the site this afternoon about a transfer portal offensive lineman, huge body uh, from within the ACC that is planning on taking a visit to Miami. Tell us about that. Yeah, David, that's Ryan Swoboda. He's an Orlando native. Again, talking about big body, six foot 10, 320 plus pounds. Uh, Spoke to him. He was thinking about declaring for the NFL and just kind of went through the process. He got the hula bowl invite, got the tropical bowl invite. He was about, he thought that he was about to get that East versus West shrine bowl invite. Um, He just kind of, thought about it and just, you know, thought that maybe he didn't like exactly where his, what his, you know, draft projection was. He admitted that he thought that he might be, you know, a late round pick at best, uh, more likely an undrafted free agent. So he just figured, you know, why not look for a spot where he felt like he could develop at the next level. It seems like he's extremely high on, on Alex Mirabal and Mario Cristobal. When I had spoken to him, 
He said 20 minutes before that he was on the phone, the phone with coach Mirabal and he has a lot of respect for those guys said he was like born in Oregon. So he kind of grew up watching the ducks and liking the ducks. So he always paid attention to that squad. I think he likes that hit the offensive line, like hit the head coach would be an offensive line guy. Uh, right. So I think that's a very unique situation. So I kind of like remind me sits in that one. He told me he's going to again, visit that weekend of January 14th, which is the first weekend that things open up with a contact period. He also said that he would like to be committed by then. So I think sure. if you're reading tea leaves, I think that uh, you have to feel like Miami's in a good spot there. Right. And I would, I would assume he's going to be able to enroll in the spring, right? Yeah. That's the goal is for him to enroll in the spring and, just kind of hit the ground running with the, with the team. So looking at his stats, um, it seems like he plays mostly right tackle. Um, he's played over 1800 snaps for Virginia. I think he was, he's kind of viewed as a solid run blocker. His pass protection is interesting because in 2020, he was really strong in that regard. He didn't allow a sack the whole season in 2020. 2021, he took a little bit of a step back. Um, he allowed five sacks on the season as a whole, uh, which isn't terrible, but it's it's also, I mean, it's average, I would say. Um, but again, 6'10", 325. To me, he's the big body type that Mario, the strong type that Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal want their offensive line to look like. Um, and yeah, look, I think he would provide competition on the offensive line. What would that mean for Miami's current guys? If he did come, you know, let's assume Zion Nelson returns, right? Um, I think that would put Swoboda at right tackle. I think that would kick John Campbell inside at one of the guard spots, which to me is, is more his ideal position. Uh, Justice Olawashon, more of a guard, which to me is his more ideal position. You also have DJ Scaife as a guard still, Jalen Rivers as a guard still. So it would improve the depth and look and competition of talent at the offensive line. Um, and look, maybe maybe the addition of him, the, the competition increases for um, maybe one of those returning guys steps up and beats him out, which is also not a bad thing. So I like the move. Um, what do you think? Do you think they just need one offensive lineman or would you like to see more via the transfer portal? Um, I think I could kind of be good either way, but I mean, I would not be upset about two. Again, these guys need to, are going to have to take the time to, you know, continue to develop this offensive line. And if they feel like they need two, um, I could see it. You know, you do. Sure. I, I think you have to feel excited about it. And you're getting John Campbell back. You're getting Dylan Rivers back. Justice Oliver Sean's another experienced guy that's coming back. DJ Scaife is a guy that, you know, had a, ended up having a, a pretty good season that I get that he come back. Uh, Ja'Kai Clark, I feel like, I think you're feeling pretty good about him at center. But, I mean, if you want to add a couple bodies there, again, I think these, I don't think that they're going to be afraid of creating more competition. I don't right. think they're going to be worried about guys getting scared off and leaving. I think they're, they're going to do whatever that they feel is best to get the offensive line right. I mean, I think if you're an offensive lineman and you're at Miami right now, you have to be pretty excited about how you're going to yes. be developed over the next, you know, year or so. So I think you got to bring dudes in and you just kind of got to battle it out and, you know, just try to win a battle. And I think that helps the whole team. Next position in the transfer portal, uh, wide receiver, Frank Latson. Is there anything new there just in general with his recruiting? 
Yeah, um, I'm honestly, I'm not sure if there's anything new. I think people at Miami still feel pretty good about him. I know people that are close to him still still feel good about him being at Miami. Um, maybe they want to get him on campus first, or maybe they, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what the what the holdup is there, but I think that people yeah. still feel pretty pretty good about him ending up there. Yeah, so he would be a guy that would compete for a you know starting job at Miami uh, and improve the depth. So I think that move would make sense as well. Defensive line. Uh, it's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about the guy who's not necessarily new over the past week here first, but it sounds like he's going to make a decision soon. And that is Albany, uh, which is an FCS program. Their edge rusher, Jared verse, who um it sounds like maybe, I mean, there's a lot of big time schools coming at him, right? Miami's coming at him hard. Tennessee's coming at him hard. Um, FSU's in there. He's also picked up offers from what LSU, uh, USC, Oklahoma, maybe even two, I think. Um, so he's viewed as one of the premier uh, edge rushers. He's kind of raw, I think, but the athleticism's off the chart. So, so there's a lot to work with and mold there. Um, you spoke to him, I think not too long ago, Gabby. Yeah. What was the vibe you got there? Yeah. Uh, I spoke to him on new year's Eve and I thought he was legitimately interested in Miami. He told me he was down to, you know, five or six schools. I believe at least three of them are Miami, Tennessee, Florida state said he was going to try to eliminate one a day, basically. Um, again, I, I think that Miami's in a pretty good spot. He told me he's been talking to coach Cristobal directly. Uh, again, just another example of how he's recruiting as the head coach. Uh, Did he again, tell I, you, do I have this wrong? Did he tell you that he's recruiting him the hardest of anyone right now? Cristobal? I, he did, I don't think he said that. I think, I think of the coaches, I think okay. like of right. Miami's coaches, uh, Cristobal's recruiting him the hardest. Okay. So again, I think that's a good sign when the head coach takes sort of that initiative in recruiting, but that's who Mario Cristobal is. And again, I think that that's a win for Miami. Um, again, I think that there's a few schools still in the mix here. Uh, I know that those three, I feel like are probably maybe in the best spot, Miami, Florida state, Tennessee, again, but you have LSU, you have some of these other schools sort of involved there, but I do think Miami's sort of, you know, going to be in it through this home stretch. I think Wednesday is probably going to be his commitment day. So we got to stay tuned for the next few days to see how that's going. Next up on the defensive line front is Hawaii. Uh, defensive lineman. He primarily plays edge, um, but he can also kick inside. Kind of similar to USC, you know, the, the, the transfer Miami has added from USC, Jake Lichtenstein. Um, Jonah Laulu kind of has a similar skill set. Uh, he is 6'6 to 80. Um, so big, long, strong body that can play on the edge or on the inside. And this past year for Hawaii, he did both. Um, he's kind of, he's picked up a ton of big time offers here recently too. Uh, USC, UCLA, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, FSU, and Washington. So a lot of competition there. He's from Las Vegas originally. Um, so if he would prefer to play closer to home, you would think that USC or UCLA would stand in a good spot. Um, yeah. But again, Mario Cristobal recruits hard. They were one of the first schools to offer him. And so to me, that's an intriguing option, right? Mario Cristobal has made it clear that 
he wants versatile defensive linemen. And, and you see that with Georgia, right? They have big athletic body types up front, right? Um, they do have some straight up defensive tackles like uh, Jordan Davis, right? Um, but they also just have big dudes that can play all over the defensive line and, and rotate in and out of the game. So, you know, Jonah Laulu is not necessarily like a household name, um, but he is a guy that a lot of big time programs see value in. I will mention too, you know, and this is at the group of five level. So he's, he's doing it against group of five offensive linemen, but still he, he's producing at a pretty high level. Um, 40 quarterback pressures, according to pro football focus, he finished this past year with 33 tackles, eight tackles for loss, four sacks. So long, strong guy. What, what do you think about that move? I mean, I think it would be a nice one. I mean, again, if they, if that were, were to actually happen, I think it's a big ask uh, going from sure. Hawaii to Miami as the Las Vegas native. I know one of his teammates uh, recently, like one of his former Hawaii teammates recently just made the move over to UCLA. Um, right. Again, I don't, I'm not sure if that's an indicator of what he's going to do, but again, I think some of those, a, a Vegas guy who played out West in Hawaii, really out West in Hawaii to sort of make that move all the way back to Miami. Uh, I think that that's a big one. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's not going to happen or anything like that, but uh, I would be impressed by right. that recruiting win for, for Miami, if that were to sort of come through. But again, you talk about the body type, that's what Miami needs a big six foot six, you know, 300 pounder, whatever he is, uh, sort of in the middle of that defense to sort of, you know, be able to move bodies around. Uh, again, not saying he's a Jordan Davis, but, you know, just when you consider the body types of Jason Jones, one of those types of, of guys. Right, right. So a guy who might maybe Miami might have a, a better chance at landing just due to geography, et cetera that they offered within the last week is UAB defensive lineman, Antonio Moultrie. Um, he's an interesting one, Gabby, because uh, he started his career and played his first three years or so at defensive tackle. He's 6'4", 290. So he was kind of a, a leaner defensive tackle, more, more of a, a plus athlete at defensive tackle for UAB. He was quite productive too. He, his 2020 season, I think he was first or second team uh, all conference for UAB as a defensive tackle. Um, and then this offseason, he shed 25 pounds and started playing as their stand up edge rusher. So 6'4, 265 now. And he finished the season now, this 2021 season, as an edge rusher with 62 tackles eight tackles for loss, two sacks. Um, so again, I kind of view him and look, he's not as long or as big as uh, Jonah Laulu, but I do think the versatility thing still is there with, with Ant Antonio Moultrie um, with the ability to play on the edge with strength, the ability to kick inside and win one-on-one -on -one pass rush opportunities against college level offensive guards during obvious passing situations. I like that move as well. Also too, just, I don't know, UAB on defense, those guys play with an edge. I like oh, yeah. the way, 
I like the way they play defense. So, um, and also too, he's from the panhandle. Um, so he is, you know, from the state of Florida, more like the Alabama slash Alabama side state of Florida, but still I, it's my understanding. I think that Miami's his best offer right now. Um, so I think if Miami does go all in on, on trying to get him, they, they should be in a good spot. What do you think about him? I think he's good. And again, when you just, just listening to Mario Cristobal talk, David, just to touch on some of the points you made, the ability, the cross training, that's something he talked about a lot, especially on like, you know, in the trenches, all those types of right. guys, Moultrie as a guy that can go inside or outside, done it on, you know, done it both ways. Um, I think he has an athletic body type and, you know, again, an all conference type of player, a guy that's done it at a high level at the G5. You know, I, I would be a fan of that pickup. I think he's someone that can come in here and help. Again, I just think the defensive line just wasn't where it typically has been in the past for Miami. I yeah. think that this is a guy that, again, just sort of elevates the floor of, of the defensive line room. And just, I think, I think he makes them better along with Jake Lichtenstein. And, you know, I think he's, he's someone that I think that I would be open to bringing in if I were Miami. Yeah. I think Mario Cristobal is going to put together a defensive line um, that has size. You know, if, if, if it's four down, I think three of those guys are going to have size. I think three of those guys are going to have pretty good twitch for their size. Um, but for the most part, they're going to have size, length, and strength. And then the, the one, the fourth guy I envision, you know, being super twitched up, being able to get after, uh, the passer. So, whereas the main idea is, defensive line, you know, they, they didn't mind having kind of four undersized type of guys that would all four win with quickness, um, particularly, uh, in the passing game, uh, the, the flip side of that was, you know, they would at times get pushed around in the run game, which we saw too often, uh, during the past two seasons. So kind of a different look, I think, I mean, you could win in a lot of different ways, both ways can work if you're getting the right players. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Mario Cristobal can build here via the portal in year going into year one. The next position, linebackers. Um, I kind of think there's like three guys to know right now. Um, I think UCF's Tatum Bethune, who was a middle linebacker um, this past season, had, had a bunch of production. Chris Mole, linebacker at UAB, who I think when, when he's at his best, he is elite. Um, he's had some durability issues here recently. Um, might be a little bit undersized with his frame, but at the college level, I think he gets after it at a pretty impressive level. And then Ivan Pace Jr., who was a co-defensive player of the year for Miami of Ohio um, this past season. Again, another highly productive player at linebacker. I'll let you start here, Gabby. Which one of these guys do you want to touch on first? Yeah, I'm pretty interested by Tatum Bethune. Um, again, a Miami Central graduate who signed with USC uh, and uh, USC with UCF and uh, just entered the portal. A hundred plus tackle guy. I think he's someone that you know when you just consider what Miami's linebacker room looks like right now. I think he's someone that can help. I think he's someone that can come into that room and contribute as a veteran dude that's played in a lot of big time games. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'm a fan of, again, 
adding to that room. I think that's something that might, that should have probably got done last recruiting cycle or just coming into 2021. Yeah. It wasn't addressed. I think that now in 2022, it needs to be a priority for the staff to add to the linebacker room. Really excited about Wesley Bassaint and that addition. I just think you need to add some veterans on top of that. Again, another Miami Central guy who's from down here. I think that you need to give him a look. And um, you know, I believe that Miami is. I think that, that he's someone that they're going to sort of attack in the transfer portal. He's 6'1", uh, 225. He totaled 108 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, and uh, two sacks and, and two interceptions. So he's a guy who well-rounded linebacker, middle linebacker, makes plays, good size. Um, I agree. I would probably make him the top priority. Tell me this. How, how many linebackers would you take? Would you just leave it at one or would you take two? I, I would take two. Honestly. I would I would take two if they were the right guys. I, I don't think I would take two right. just to take two. But if like, let's say you can get like a mole, I think like a mole and a Bethune, I think I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy with any, I think any combination of these, of, of these, any combination of two of these three guys, I think I'd be happy with. Let's go to Chris mole. Cause I know you, you traded some messages with him. He's the UAB linebacker. Um, he did, I will say, he he transitioned to safety this past year. Didn't really go well. He, he is more of a linebacker. Um, I think he also had a hand injury this past year. And that's, you know, he was able to get a red shirt. And that's the reason why he still has one more year of eligibility. He went to Coral Gables High School. He's a 6'2", 225 guy when he plays linebacker. And I will say this, in 2019, from a production standpoint, there weren't many line, better linebackers in the country than Chris Mole, who finished in 2019 with 102 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, eight sacks, and uh, three forced fumbles. So that year, he was a big-time playmaker uh, at, at, as a middle linebacker. I think he is a – he's – pretty good in coverage in terms of, you know, at the linebacker position. So to me, like, again, like you were saying, if, if I can get both Bethune and mole, I go Bethune middle mole weak side. Yeah. And those are my starting linebackers day one of 2022, but right. you, you, you traded messages with him and, and kind of what was he telling you? Yeah. I think he's extremely interested in Miami. I do think if they were to push for him, that they'd probably get him again. Like what David was just saying, he's a Coral Gables high graduate. I think it would be a homecoming for him. Uh, he hasn't heard a ton from the staff um, or at least some from Mario Cristobal and those types of guys. I've talked to people in Coral Gables who are a fan of him. Um, I think ultimately there might be a couple guys, maybe a little higher on the board that they're trying to attack right now, but I could see them sort of pivoting that way. Uh, but I mean, if mole, Again, I think if Miami expresses that interest in the mole, I think it would be tough for them to, to sort of lose out to anyone else. I've heard Arizona, Maryland, SMU are a couple schools in the mix for him. But uh, I think if Miami were to make a push, they'd be in a pretty good spot pretty quickly. And then Ivan Pace. He's, uh, he's an interesting one. He's, he's definitely very productive as well. Again, he's from Miami of Ohio. Uh, Co-defensive player of the year in the MAC this year. 125 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, four sacks, one interception. He's listed at six foot 239. Um, I'm not sure he's really six foot, but that's what they list him at. 
he's a little bit sawed off just watching him play a little bit. Um, he does have, I'm not saying he's as good, but he has a little bit of Denzel Perryman to him because of his ability to tackle run guys down. He's a good blitzer. Um, and he, he's, you know, he can make plays in coverage too. Uh, just one interesting thing when I was looking up stuff on him, Gabby. So his 2019 season, right. Uh, he got on the field. It had, I don't know the circumstance, but it had to be in garbage time against Akron. He played something like 18 snaps in that game. And uh, guess how many sacks he got in those 18 snaps. In 18 snaps, how many sacks he got? uh three guess high guess high three four six six sacks and 18 snaps right i don't know again i i wonder what the circumstances were in that game uh again it had to be garbage time but yeah i mean that was kind of like his coming out party he didn't really play much i guess he did they only played three games at miami of ohio in 2020 um but he is kind of a He's one of the better defensive players at the group of five level. He, uh, he does have offers from Cincinnati, which is interesting because he's from Cincinnati. So you would assume they would be high up on his list. Also LSU offered him also Missouri offered him. So um, I'm here for it, but you know, the local ties of the other two would make you think Miami's probably got a better shot to land them. But again, Ivan Pace, one of the best linebackers in the country, enters the portal. Miami immediately makes makes a move on him. I'm here for it. Did you have any thoughts on Pace? No, nah, just that he was a little small, but yeah, I guess he was more of just like a, you know, he is small. He yeah, kind of looks like guy. he kind of looks like Corey Flack. I'll admit. Yeah. Um, that's what that's what that was probably what I would be worried about. But agreed. You don't Again, want too I, many of those guys running around. I would go. I would go Bethune and Mole. If it were me, but uh, cornerbacks, you dropped a name on the board last night, I believe, yeah. to know West Virginia's Jackie Matthews. I was looking up stuff about him. He's 5'10, 190, 191, 580 snaps in 2021. To me, it seems like kind of a nickel corner type. Um, what do you know about that situation? Yeah, not a whole bunch. I just think that he's a name that, you know, they're sort of monitoring right now. I don't think they've offered or anything like that. But, I mean, just sort of a name that I just sort of came across and uh, looked it up. I mean, six and a half tackles for loss as a corner, you know, two pass deflections and interception. Again, like I think the the nickel spot would probably be more realistic for for a guy like that. But, again, I'm kind of all for – I'm all for adding bodies at multiple positions across the field. I think you need to get better across the roster right now. So. Um, I'm kind of all for it. I think their potential, like traditional nickel corners are kind of thin, right? They're not like 5'10, 190. They're they're more like 5'10, 165, 170 ish. Um, which is fine in coverage, but it is a tough ask for those guys uh, in the run game. And, and you'll see teams run right at those guys. Um, you know, they will design plays to those guys' side. So um, I think going after a nickel corner that's willing to tackle does make sense. Um, 
and corners in general too, right, Gabby? I think to me that's like similar to offensive tackle. If a quality one goes in the portal, yeah, most likely a Georgia, a Alabama, Ohio State is going to land one of those guys because everyone could use an offensive tackle. Everyone could use a corner. Um, so maybe that's that's why I think maybe there aren't there isn't as much like movement at cornerback right now in terms of Miami going after corners. You agree with that? Yeah, and there's actually an interesting name that just entered the portal right now, Caleb Offord out of Notre Dame. Again, I don't know if there's going to be any Miami push there, but he signed with them in the 2020 class. He's out of Mississippi, 6'1", 180. Who knows what happens there, but just another intriguing name in the portal now. There you go. Breaking news. So let's take a break, and then we will get into – uh you know, Gabby's portion of the podcast where he kind of drives the ship as we get into high school recruiting um, with all-star games and a big 2023 recruiting class uh, unofficial visit weekend being organized at Miami right now. All right, we are back. Gabby, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the 2022 class first by uh, just going through kind of the all-star games. Um, kind of the players to know there because really those are the elite guys. Uh, those are the guys that, I mean, Miami is trying to get in the mix with some of these guys. Um, in addition to some commit playing in these games, let's start with this week's game. Um, the all American bowl, which is Saturday, January 8th. Uh, I think it's televised on NBC. I forget the time. I think it's two o'clock. Yeah. Two o'clock Eastern, two o'clock Eastern. So definitely check that out. Cause there will be a couple guys making decisions during that game. Top 50 wide receiver Kevin Coleman uh, out of St. Louis. Top 50 edge player Cyrus Moss out of Las Vegas. Um, but first, you know, should highlight too that Miami's two commit, two signees are playing in the game. Defensive lineman Nigel Lee Kelly and tight end Jaleel Skinner. So it'll be interesting to see what those guys do not only during in the game, but also during practices, because there's a lot of competition right. in the practices leading up to the game. I will say, you know, right now on the site, and again, there's going to be a ton of updates on the site this week. So I would encourage everyone to sign up, go VIP on Inside the U, get all the scoop on all these guys, because guys are arriving right now. And the 24-7 national team is churning out updates with all these guys um, as we speak. So there's going to be, stuff that we don't get to today because they haven't arrived yet in San Antonio. But one, one nugget I did notice uh, on the live thread was Skinner's arms measured in at 35 and five, eight inches, which is crazy long. Like typically those are like, like if an offensive lineman has 36 inch arms, it'll be, you know, top five in the NFL draft. Um, so we already knew we've talked about his freakish wingspan. Um, he's, he's measured in with the longest arm length already. And I don't think anyone's going to pass him up this week, you know, as they check in. So that's an interesting nugget on Skinner. Um, so let's just go through the list. Kevin Coleman, you already crystal balled him. Still feel good about it. Yeah. Feeling pretty good about that one going into that announcement for sure. Cyrus Moss. Is there anything new or, or we'll probably learn more as this week progresses. 
Yeah, he hasn't been doing a lot of media stuff right now. Um, I expect this week will be big. I think we'll get plenty of updates on him. He's one of the guys announcing in the game, so I'm sure he's going to be one of the hot commodities throughout the week. So uh, stay tuned because I'm sure there's going to be a ton of Cyrus Moss updates. And then uh, four-star, he's defensive lineman, I believe, out of Georgia, Christian Miller. Yeah. Um, He's planning to visit Miami, correct? Yeah, I think Miami's in the mix there. I believe he will get down to South Florida at some point. Again, I'm sure this weekend we will get a better understanding of when that exactly is going to be. Um, I think he's going to fl- visit Florida A&M too. I know Georgia's in the mix. Um, Ohio Florida State's A&M or, or Texas A&M? No, Florida A&M. Really? Okay. okay. The Rattlers, yeah. So supposedly he's going to visit them um, at some point or just give them a look or he has them in his like top five or whatever it is. But um, I know that they're in there. So. Um, definitely expect Miami to get a, a real look from him. So that's, that's definitely exciting. Uh, big, big body, 6'4", 285 pounder on the defensive line out of Georgia. That state's been producing talent at a ridiculous rate, uh, considering yeah. its size. So, um, that would be a huge win for Miami if they were able to, you know, pick that one up. Is I know Georgia was thought of as being the favorite. Is that still the case or are they like full? Can they not take a top 100, like a, borderline yeah. top 100. Yeah, I, that's what I mean, I think I think that that's a, a legitimate concern. Um and you look at Ohio State too, they just took another guy in Amari uh Abor, I don't know how to say his name. Um also, so it's it's interesting to see how everything sort of shakes up here. Again, this could be one of those situations where, you know, if Georgia's full, if Ohio State's full, that Miami could be sitting in a pretty pretty good spot. Uh again, but it's all about getting them on campus. I think once we get them on campus, We've already seen the Mario Cristobal effect between Jalil Skinner, uh, potentially in Kevin Coleman and potentially in Cyrus Moss. So I think getting him on campus would be big for, for that group. Another guy who's playing in this all American bowl, five-star offensive lineman, Josh Connerly, um, who I believe is from the state of Washington. So that's obviously, I mean, that's pretty much as far as you can get from Miami. Right. But he has said, I think when Mario was, was hired, he was, he has said, yeah, I'd be interested in Miami now. Um, and again, I think we'll learn more about that situation here this week. Um, but I'm curious, Gabby, if you've heard anything on your end on Josh, as you finish having a sneezing fit, you okay? (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, uh, I haven't, I haven't heard anything directly, uh, I think I know he's someone Miami really likes. They want to get him on campus. Um, they want to take a big swing there. Again, that's uh, he's someone that was really highly interested in Oregon at the time. I think Mirabal and Mario Cristobal are going to take these types of sh- these types of shots this cycle. Now, in the future, these are the types of guys they're going to go after. They're going to go to a- every single corner of the United States if it means getting a big time talent that can make Miami better. So I think uh, Josh Connerly is someone that they're going to try to get down to South Florida at some point next month. He's also plays basketball. So I think that that's something to also sort of keep an eye on in terms of how his schedule sort of looks. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something just important to sort of note. And then one guy we do know that because is he's already come through and talked to 24 seven sports at the check-in for the all American bowl is four-star running back Trevante citizen, who is from Louisiana former LSU commit decommitted after their coaching change. He is, he told uh, 24 seven sports, uh, Steve Wiltfong that 
the three schools kind of in the best position right now is Auburn, Miami, and Michigan State. So Miami's already made a big move there. He's he's going to visit as well in January, right, Gabby? Yeah, I would bet that he does. Again, I don't know if anything's officially set in stone yet, but he's someone that Miami offered. Uh, for much of the cycle, it didn't feel like Miami was going to go get a running back. Javante Barnes became a player. Um, I would say sometime in the middle of like the high school football season, I know Eric Hickson flew out to go to Vegas to go see him. He obviously just committed to Oklahoma for those that were watching the under armor all American game. Trevante citizen feels like the next guy that they're sort of going after and former LSU commit. I know, I know LSU's still in there. Um, you know, I think Florida is also in the mix, Nebraska and Washington or a couple other schools that he mentioned today. I, one thing to know, Auburn does have a running back committed in Damari Alston, who some Miami fans might remember from earlier in the cycle because he was one of their top running back, one of Miami's top running backs, running back targets early, earlier on. So, um, yeah. you know, he would have to agree to maybe be to join another, you know, blue chip running back at Auburn. So I think I kind of like where Miami stands uh, on that one. And, you know, Michigan State obviously just did a hell of a job with Kenneth Walker and stuff right. like that. I don't think that could be ignored. And I think they have some juice right now on the recruiting trail. So, um, you know, going to be some stiff competition, but, you know, again, get them on campus. And I think I like Miami's chances uh, with pretty much anyone right now, just given the way that they're recruiting. Yeah. And you would think that uh, Miami being able to offer, hey, you'll, you'll be the only running back in this class would be intriguing to any running back. Yeah. I think it worked with Jaleel Skinner. I think the fact that he would right, have been, right. he's the only tight end in the class. I think that that was, that was something to, that he considered when making that flip from Alabama to Miami. Let's, is there anything else all American bowl or should we move on to Under Armour? No, we can move on to the Under Armour game. So the Under Armour game was played Sunday. So that one's already in the books. Doesn't have as many Miami intrigue in that game. Uh, but there is one big time guy who, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, we talk regularly to Andrew Ivins, right? The Southeast analyst uh, through the smoke alum, Shamar Stewart. He was saying he had a really good week. Um, you know, the, the clips I saw indicated that as well, Gabby. Yeah. Uh, Shamar Stewart definitely, I think, turned some heads, which is weird because, you know, you don't expect a top 10 player nationally to sort of, you know, it's almost expected that he performs that way, but you got to remember he, you know, was injured a lot of his junior year, uh, his senior year. He kind of, you know, he had a great year, but, you know, he didn't necessarily play the top of the top sort of competition at a school like Pace, who just, you know, I think they went below 500 as a team. So to see him go into this setting and stand out, I think is a, right, I think right. that's a really, 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 you know, big thing for a guy like Shamar Stewart. And, um, you know, again, I think it just solidifies that he is who sort of, you know, especially, you know, guys like Andrew Ivins and the rest of the rankings council 24 seven sports kind of thought he could be, you know, at his best. It feels like he's sort of getting there and get Miami firmly in the mix, man. I think, uh, I, I know George is in there too. I still feel like it's probably more of a Texas A&M Miami battle. Uh, I think Texas A&M has to be considered the favorite at this point, but you know, Mario Cristobal is pushing heavily and, um, I, he, he's going to officially visit Miami next month, uh, at some point. So, I think it's a, I think it's big that, you know, Mario Cristobal is able to get him on campus in that capacity. Another guy to know from the Under Armour Bowl, which, which is new, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but Harold Perkins, who hails from Cypress, Texas, 
um, and is the number one linebacker in the country. I think he's number five or six overall player in the country. Um, he committed to Texas A&M during the game. So he is a Texas A&M commit. Um, but of course, he's not going to sign anywhere or whatever. So it's not a done deal. Um, so he does have some visits that he can make, some official visits here in the month of January before the February National Signing Day, the first Wednesday in February. Um, and he did say he plans on taking some January official visits to Miami, Florida, and USC. So um, maybe those are free trips. Maybe those are just situations where that he wants to meet some new coaching staffs. Uh, but again, it, you mentioned it, you know, Anytime Mario Cristobal can get a big timer on campus, it's going to be a good thing. And when he was asked about Miami, he, he said, quote, with Miami, it's Miami. Got to go see that. Um, with USC, it's the same thing as with Miami. USC was that school. USC was like the Bamas and all that. So he gets the sense that, you know, things might be different with Miami, Florida, USC. Um, and he just wants to double check and make sure that he is good with going to Texas A&M. I would assume he's going to end up signing with Texas A&M, but you never turn down a top 10 player who wants to come visit your school. Right. And I think something that, all right. So I just started the seven on seven circuit last year. I spent a weekend in Dallas at that, in a tournament that Harold Perkins was playing in. And at, at that point I asked him about Miami and, you know, he's, he had really good things to say about them at that point. Like he was talking about potentially visiting them, um, you know, at some point, I mean, it obviously never materialized into anything, but he did mention a really good relationship at that time with, with Ishmael Aristide, uh, who obviously, who was at Texas A&M prior to moving over to Miami. Um, so I think that there was some interest even early on in the process that maybe just never came to fruition. But okay. once he said that he was officially visiting, I was just like, not like completely, totally surprised just again, because I had had that conversation with him and I knew that he at least told me that he was somewhat interested in Miami. But um, again, I think it's a positive and you, you know, Kevin Coleman could have been a free visit. Uh, Cyrus Moss could have been a free visit. I mean, people talk that way all the time and they seem like free trips until they're not free trips. And uh, you know, my, and you know, suddenly they are, you know, legitimate contenders. And like you, David, I would expect Texas A&M to, to eventually pick up his signature. I feel like they've been in a good spot this, this whole time throughout that right. recruitment. But, you know, I just don't think you can just completely write off really any of these three programs. I mean, if you're taking the time to officially visit, I think it's because you're still looking, especially fresh off of a, a commitment on national television. Right. And you never know, too, in this day and age with NIL, right? I exactly. mean, you can't use NIL as a recruiting inducement technically. Um, but let's be real. Like, there's ways to go around that. Um, another guy to know from the Under Armour Bowl. Another guy who I think committed during the game, um, Omari Abor, who is an Ohio, he committed to Ohio State, 6'4, 240 pound edge rusher at a Duncanville High School in Texas, number 38 overall player, according to the composite. What's your understanding about that situation? Miami might get a visit. Yeah, I think Miami might get a visit. I don't think that there's anything set in stone. Again, this is all coming from Andrew Ivins. And, uh, you know, it seems like he had a conversation with Joe Salavea at some point over there. Well, I mean, while he was in Orlando, I believe Mario Cristobal had called him at some point also, 
you know, maybe even a couple of days later, maybe closer to the actual day of the, the Under Armour All-American game. So uh, he did make that commitment to Ohio State. But again, uh, another guy who seems to still be open to taking visits. Uh, so again, I think if Miami gets him on campus, that's a positive. Not saying they're going to flip Abor or Harold Perkins, but I think getting people on campus is the first step to anything materializing in that way. So got to get them on campus to have a chance. Miami's doing a good job of potentially getting, you know, two top really big time dudes on campus in January ahead of that February early signing day. So, you know, I think that's big. Who else do we need to know uh, in this 2022 cycle that might visit I know you you spoken with Dave Ayuli. I don't know how you yeah. say his name uh, yeah. from from Washington State. What's going on there? Yeah, Dave Dave Uli, uh, He's he's going to visit. I believe that first weekend. You know that January fourteenth weekend, which is the first of the contact period. He's going to come down. I believe he's coming down with Grayson Halton, who's a top two four seven defensive lineman committed to Oregon. He uh, Jalil Florence, who's another top two four seven cornerback. Uh, he was a four. He was at one point committed to Oregon. I think those three guys are going to visit here together. So again, we'll see what happens there. I think Miami's in a really good spot with Yuli. Uh, I think that I mean, if any of those three guys are going to eventually be committed to Miami, my money would be on him. Uh, but again, you never know what happens with guys like Grayson Halton or Jaleel Florence. Who I mean, Florence says he called. He told me Keyshawn Smith, Miami's wide receiver, is one of his best friends. So um, you know that could potentially be a move. Uh, that could work out for him if he were to visit. Uh, Matthew McCoy is another name that I heard recently. He was someone that officially visited that last weekend of the Manny Diaz era. I think he's someone that's considering an official visit. Uh, we're working on setting up another official visit at some point in January. I think if the Hurricanes were to get him back on campus, I think that would, again, be good news for Miami in terms of him eventually picking them. I think uh, Ole Miss has gotten him on campus. I believe Minnesota's gotten him on campus. So I would like where Miami sort of stood if they were to get him back for another official visit. And he's a three-star out of St. Augustine. Yeah. Um, kind of a developmental tackle, right? right? Yeah. Late riser, uh, picked up a bunch of offers. I think he was a former tight end that decided to move to offensive line and then sort of blew up. I think he has a brother that plays from Minnesota, I believe. So okay. um, that could be a factor, but uh, I, I do think Miami's in a pretty good spot there. And you're under the impression, right, that Halton – Grayson Halton, who's a four-star out of San Diego, has a connection to, you know, who we believe will be Miami's next running backs coach. Yeah, I was told by someone that Jim that Jim Mastro is his uncle. Um, I spoke to someone else, maybe a little closer to Halton, and I don't know if it's like a like blood related, but it's you know a, I feel like you know someone very, very close. close, very close to him. Uh, you know, just within the community that knows him very well, so. I think Miami having a Jim Mastro type, um, you know, speaking to that same source, Joe Salavea being at Miami, I think would be a, a potential game changer uh, in the Halton recruitment too. So I'm interested to see how that sort of materializes. They made it seem like Oregon was probably still the team to beat. He remained committed to them, but right. I do think that Miami has a chance to make a move there. Cool. And anything else to touch on with 2022? Not that I could think of off the top of my head. I think that that's a. Uh, I think that that's about right. All right. So we'll. I mean, again, recruiting never stops here. We'll touch on more 2022 stuff as it filters out in future podcasts, which brings us to 2023, right? Because it's already time to uh, organize 
uh, unofficial visits, you know, kind of these Miami's calling it what elite prospect day on yeah. January 22nd. And the list is already star studded. Yeah. How many, how many five stars at this point have, have said they're going to be down there for that? I have seven confirmed five stars. There could be more out there that I haven't gotten a whiff of yet, but right now, seven, five stars expected to be in South Florida that day in Coral Gables. That's, that, that's, that's huge, man. That, that's a, that's a big number. Which five star excites you the most? Which five star excites me the most? Probably Cormani McLean. I think he's going to be a top of the class type of guy. Um, you know, corner, he is, five star he, yeah, corner, five star corner out of Lakeland, Lake Gibson. Um, you know, he's someone that I believe has a lot of interest in Miami. Again, he is a freaky, freaky talent. I think that he's going to be, I think he's kind of going to go, you know, all the way through as the, the nation's top cornerback. I think that's still position of need, you know, regardless of how Miami recruited the position here in 2021, uh, whenever you can get in a, a top end elite guy like that, I think that Cormani McLean is, would be a huge win. Uh, a bunch of those guys excite me though, man. I mean, we just sort of look up and down the list. You can just sort of close your eyes and point to one and, you know, you can definitely make an argument for them being the most exciting. Yeah. Um, it seems like, you know, I mean, you talked to him, but one guy that I found interesting, uh, from reading your articles was Brandon Innes, right? Because he would, he would always, He's, he's the five-star 2023 wide receiver out of American Heritage. Um, Big-time guy. He, he would always come around UM like he would visit um, when, when Miami had barbecues or pool parties, et cetera, um, even Paradise Camp. I don't think he worked out, but he would be there. Um, so there was some level of interest, but it was kind of known like, yeah, he wasn't like that interested. But it seemed like, you know, the fact that he even spoke to you yeah. kind of tells you that that he's kind of more interested now that Mario Cristobal's there. Is that fair to say? I would say so, man. I would definitely say so. And just talk to people around him. I think that he's definitely intrigued about, you know, what this offense is going to look like. I think he's seen the quarterback play with Tyler Van Dyke. And, you know, I know, again, one of his, his basically his seven-on-seven seven coach or one of the guys that runs his seven-on-seven seven team is really close with Jake Garcia. So, you know, I think that there's a connection there that, you know, he sees that there's going to be good quarterback play at Miami for this further foreseeable future. So again, I'm not sure. I still think that, you know, him keep keeping him home might be tough. You know, he was a guy that was going to, was going to go play for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma before he bolted to USC. I think USC could still be a factor here, but I think he's opening things up a little bit more. And I think he's going to give Miami a more honest look than maybe he has at any other point of his recruitment. So, um, I think it's going to be inter- and it, definitely an interesting one to continue to sort of watch throughout the, the 2023 cycle. And I would put Richard Young in that same category too. He's a five-star running back out of Lehigh over in the Fort Myers area. Um, he's probably a heavy lean to Ohio State at this time, um, but he's a big, big, big time running back. And a year that's it's pretty loaded in the state of Florida at running back. I would probably say Richard Young's the best of the bunch. Um, but again, the fact that he spoke to you because <laughs> these five stars don't like, yeah. they just don't do interviews if, you no. know, if they don't want uh, the fact that he spoke to you about Mario Cristobal and being at this elite prospect day. What did you make of that? Yeah, I think it's big. I mean, just 
a lot of these guys sort of made it down during the summer. And, you know, some of these guys were some of these kids, even some of the big time ones would, you know, make the effort to come down to Miami. Richard Young was not one of them. Uh, right. You know, he never came down to Miami at all. He lives, you know, David, you know, I mean, I don't know where Lehigh is, I guess, on it's the like Southwest Coast. So they're uh, two and a half hours away from from Miami's campus. And, uh, you know, that's close enough where, you know, you can come to Miami, spend the day there and make it back home for dinner. So, you know, he just never did that. So I think it's it's notable that he's going to come down for that event. All right. So we will I mean, I'm sure that list will fill out even more. Uh, so, again, stay locked on to Inside the U. If you guys have not gotten a VIP subscription yet, and you're interested in this recruiting that's going to take, it's going to go to another level under Mario Cristobal, uh, not only in this 2022 cycle, but of course, 2023, as he gets a full cycle to recruit these guys. Now's the time to jump in on all the fun. We appreciate everyone who did, did take advantage of a subscription here. Um, over the past month, we were one of the top selling sites that support means so much to us. Uh, so thank you. And uh, again, any breaking news, we'll have another podcast here. Um, but most likely, our next podcast will not be until, you know, a potential emergency podcast after a commitment or two from the All-American Bowl. So till next time, everyone take care. Mm-hmm.